And this is the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to feed who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nick, if I can invite you up. Morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, we're in Luke 15. Um, we're going to look at this parable that we, that we call the parable of the prodigal son. We'll explain that in a minute. So just to explain, if you're new here or you're visiting, um, usually there are activities on for children from naught to about 14 and they, they go to their own things but at half term we give our hard working Sunday club leaders um, a week off and that means we all stay together um, and we all engage with the same material together so there is some colouring up the front um, for young ones is anybody on crash? just wanted to check is it crash on this morning? there's nobody admitting to that 
Uh, so there is crash. If, if, if you need crash or you'd like to take your kids out, you can still hear the service. You can head that direction and Carol will go with you. It's Carol, that'll be all right. If anybody heads in that direction, you'll go with them. So if you want crash, um, then just head there and, and Carol will follow you and come um, help. Uh, but there need to be at least two adults out there. There are a couple of things to help you. So if, if you're younger, you want to come and colour, that's fine. If you're a little bit older, then there are some sermon notes in there on the windowsills all the way along. Um, even if you're really old, you can have sermon notes too. Um, and there is a word search on there. Um, so all the words that come up in red um, on the PowerPoint uh, will appear in the word search. And if that helps you concentrate, then, then please uh, grab one of those as well. They're on the windowsills, uh, if, if that helps you. So we've come to a point in Jesus' um, public life where the apparently good religious people, they've, they've noticed that Jesus is spending a, a lot of time amongst outcasts and, and desirables. They, they call them tax collectors and, and sinners. So they were kind of, uh, Jesus uh, spent time with, with the prostitutes. He spent time with, with the fat cats, strangely, of the day. The tax collectors were the guys who were, who were raking in more profit than they should have been. They were the people you didn't expect to see in, in church. Well, it was synagogue, of course, at the time. And it's there at the start of the chapter. And the tax collectors and the sinners are all gathering around Jesus. All these people are outcasts. They're gathering around Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're muttering, this man welcomes sinners. Um, and he eats with them. And so Jesus tells three parables. They're invented, but all too possible stories that make a kind of sideways point. Uh, it's a way of, of telling a message without that message coming at the front door. And they're all about lost things being found. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, there's a lost son. And do you notice that the proportion of things that's lost gets greater? First it's one out of a hundred, then it's uh, one out of ten, then it's one out of two. Um, the stakes get higher as we go along. And in the first two, the point that, wants, that Jesus wants to make to these prudish religious folks is made clear. He says, I tell you that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who, who don't need to repent. Jesus is explaining why he's spending time with the people that they think are sinners. But in the third story, he doesn't say that. It's just kind of implied, and in the third story, there's, there's a twist. So let's take a look. Son number one. Okay, we've, you've seen the story, you've read the story twice now. First story, it, uh, first side, it's a story about a son who's he's a bit of a waster. That's why he's known as the prodigal son. I'm not sure we use the word prodigal anymore. I looked it up on thesaurus.com, um, and, and one of the uh, phrases you get is compulsive shopper. <laughs> Not sure you, that sounds quite the same, is it? The parable of the compulsive shopper. Um, we don't know his backstory, but I think we can probably assume that he's worked his way through all of his own money at this point. And now, having worked and spent all his own money, he wants to be financially independent, but even at the cost of breaking family relationships. So he goes to his father and asks uh, for his share of the inheritance. 
And now it's not totally unheard of for, for fathers to share out their inheritance uh, ahead of time. Um, Abraham did that in the Bible. But it's deeply insulting for somebody to go and ask. Because it is tantamount to saying, I, I wish you were dead. But graciously, his father agrees. No, I think right at the beginning, he divided his property. So note, just in passing, that the elder son gets his share too. But in pretty short order, um, the younger son gathers up all his stuff, uh, leaves home, and he puts distance. He puts distance between himself and his father. And he puts not only a physical distance, he puts a moral distance between himself and his father. He spends all this money um, in, in wild living. In just having a good time. He's a good time guy. And when his money is all gone, just at this point where <clears throat> he's run out of cash, there's a financial crash. Or the nearest equivalent that you would get in an agricultural society, there was a famine. The crops fail. That's the equivalent, really, in, in our society, that the banks fail. And he recognises, maybe for the first time, that he's going to need to earn a wage. He's going to need to pay his own way. And so he gets a job um, feeding pigs. And so for a Jewish boy, he's now sunk to the pits, the very pits of uncleanness. And, and, in, his, and in his misery, he, he wants to eat pig's swill. Wants to eat these, these pods, these inedible things uh, that the pigs eat, but nobody gives him anything. And then one day, one that we don't know how long it took, we don't know how many days there were in between, how many days of feeding pigs did it take? How many days uh, of being at rock bottom did it take? We don't know, but eventually he comes to his senses and he twigs. If I needed to earn a wage, I could at least earn it at home where my father at least feeds his servants and I have food to eat. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father and I'll make my confession. And he gets his little form of words prepared. Father, I've sinned, I've deliberately wronged against you and I've wronged God, I've lost all claim that I had to be your son but maybe, maybe you would take me back now as a servant. What's Jesus trying to say? Well, it's a picture, Psalm number one. It's a picture of the undesirables, these sinners that Jesus so loves. Uh, and maybe it's you, and maybe it's me. Maybe you went to God, or maybe you've done this without realising and effectively said um, to God, the Creator, thank you for all the resources that you've given me. You've given me life, you've given me health, you've given me strength. You've given me family, you've given me home, you've given me salary, you've given me running water, you've given me um, dry bed, you, uh, uh, you've given me uh, government, you've given me sunsets, you've given me sunrises. I take it all, but I want to be independent with it. Thank you for all those things, but I want to be a long way away from you, morally and physically. Or maybe that's you. And you've taken all those good things, those good things that ultimately come from God. It's like he's given you an inheritance ahead of time. 
and you've taken it and you've run off with it. And you've told God, thanks very much, but I'll just use it how I want to use it and I'll use it in a place where I don't have to see you or even think about you. And maybe that's been working. Maybe it's worked for a while. Maybe it's still working for you. But there is always the possibility, maybe it's happened to you recently, that it all comes crashing down round your ears. Even if there isn't a famine or, or a banking crisis, spiritually you suddenly realise that you are starved or relationally you realise you've ended up in a different country from God. And if anybody ever becomes a Christian, there comes this point when they think there has to be more than this. There must be a better way than this. This place where I'm in a distant country from God, where I'm, I'm spiritually starved. And I've lost, I've lost that relationship with God. So maybe, like the, um, the first son, you think, I'll go back to God and see if I can... Uh, ask, let's see if I can be a servant. Let me go back and see if I can um, work my way um, back into his good books. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've tried it. How does God respond to that? Well, let's move on in the story. Let's, let's look at the father. He's a picture uh, of God. Um, father sees a son coming from miles away. You get the sense, don't you, that he, that he was probably out there looking. He's out there looking. You get the sense he was out there every day. Every day he's got his mind, he looks just hills distance. Is today the day? Anyway, he's filled with compassion. He runs. He wants to close the gap. Um, He wants to uh, get there as soon as possible. He gives him a massive bear hug. Um, He kisses his neck. That's what it literally says in the Greek. He kisses his neck. It's an uncompromising, undignified, unrestrained display of affection. Just gathers him up. And the son brings out his rehearsed speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What does the father do? He turns down that request. He refuses um, to have him back as a servant. And what does he say? Bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Reinstate this guy as a son in my household, an honoured son, a son I am proud of in my household, and put sandals on his feet. You may have tried to work your way back to God as a kind of servant by just doing good things. Let me tell you, it doesn't work. Um, God does not work that way. He will not have you back as a servant. He will only have you back as a son or daughter in his family. And then the father calls for a celebration. They they bring the calf that's been fattened. It's like getting the champagne out of a cellar, if you had a cellar, and if you had champagne in it. Um, Could say it's like getting the Prosecco out of the back of the fridge, but I don't think that really does this justice. Um, There was kind of probably always a calf being fattened. It was just there for the kind of like, uh, for the great feast days of the year. Well, the feast day has come early because uh, the sun has come home. They have a massive blowout. Because from the father's point of view, the son was dead and is alive again because he was lost and, and now he was found. If you are distant from God, 
He is not looking to enslave you. He is looking to reinstate you as a son or a daughter in his family. And the implication is clear, though he doesn't say it this time round. Jesus doesn't say it. He says to these people who think they're right with God, I tell you, the same way there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. God wants you back, not reluctantly, but rejoicingly. I love the little thing on the video of that house kind of pumping um, with the music. God wants you back and he wants you to join in the celebration. But there's a twist. There's a twist in this story because there is a, there is a second son. And I think we can argue that he is lost too, but in a different way. He has received his, estate, uh, his share of the estate, we assume. He hears a celebration um, uh, and dancing and he inquires what's happening. <coughs> Excuse me. And the servant explains, your brother is safe and sound, your father has killed the, the fattened calf. But rather than re- rejoicing, saying, hallelujah, that's fantastic, what good news, he refuses uh, to go in. He became angry. Got angry because his, his brother had come home and his father had, had rejoiced. So what does he do? The father comes out to him. Notice it's the same movement that he made for the first son. He makes for the second son. He just doesn't have to go so far because he's in the back garden. He's in the field, but he comes out to him as he did the other son and invites him to come in. Wants them both to be inside in the celebration. But what does he answer? He says, I've been slaving away for years. I've been obedient. You didn't throw me any parties. You rejoice over him more than you do over me. And at the end, as far as we can tell, he hasn't gone in. It's just, the story's kind of left hanging at the end. It's just left hanging. Does this guy go in? Does he not go in? Because Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees. And he's leaving it hanging deliberately for them to make a response. This is you. Are you coming in? Are you not coming in? So if son one is a picture of, of, of the sinner, son two is a, a picture of these complaining religious folks who can't find it in their hearts to rejoice when, when sinners, these undesirables, are saved. And they, I think they're making uh, three mistakes that show that they are the genuinely lost ones. One, they think that their relationship with God is based on something they've done. They think they've earned it. So that's what this son says, isn't it? I've been slaving away. Uh, I I, I never disobeyed. In other words, they they think they've earned their relationship with God. I've been obedient. How can you give sonship for free? It's the first thing. Second thing, they've forgotten to kind of celebrate what they've had. He's been slaving away, he says. Has he forgotten all the good things he's had as being part of his father's household? All he can say is, he never even gave me a baby goat. I didn't even have a little party. When it was probably there for the asking all the, all the time. And his father says, I gave you everything. Everything I have was always there for you. 
You can't earn a relationship with God. It is always a gift of grace from him there for the asking. And the third mistake is that shows that they are lost is that they can't identify with or celebrate over undesirable people coming into God's kingdom as an act of God's free grace. Partly because I think they don't think that they're sinners too. They think they're good people. They think they've earned their way. So two sons sum up one distance, one close, both lost. One through um, a clear outward rebellion. The other through an inner hidden resentment. Which one is found at the end? Well, we know one is found. The other one is left hanging. Both need their relationship with the Father restored by grace. In other words, as a gift from God. But how can a just God, a God who is absolutely pure, absolutely holy, always does what's right, a God who keeps everything and everybody to account, how can he also be a God who gives sonship and daughtership for free? And the answer is very simple, is that Jesus, who is here the storyteller, in not too long a time will become Jesus the human sacrifice. Jesus goes to a cross, pay the price for all the wrong things people like you and I do, and the good life that Jesus lived And God's graciousness is credited to us so that we can be sons and daughters of God. Jesus the storyteller becomes Jesus the human sacrifice and a great exchange there is done. An exchange of our rubbish and the penalty for it exchanged for the credit of Jesus' goodness. And so wasters can be forgiven and resenters can be renewed. So, which are you? I think if people break down into one of these two categories, if you're on a third category, come and tell me because I can't work one out, but it might be. Um, <clears throat> you either know that you're wrong with God or that you've always thought that you were all right, really. Well, God has made the running this morning. He has sent his son to die in the place of people like you and I so that we can be Um, his sons and daughters, uh, and all you have to do is is ask for it. So let me just ask you, what are you going to do this morning? To become a Christian, I think, is to do these four things. Admit, believe, confess, do, A, B, C, D. In the Bible, um, Paul, uh, an apostle, one of Jesus' uh, commissioned uh, mouthpieces, said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To become a Christian is to admit that you're wrong with God this morning because you have done things with which he is not pleased and you have acted in rebellion against him. You've taken all the good things he has given you, this world he has made, and have used it to your own ends. Or maybe simply you've done it without reference to him. Admit, believe. There's a great verse, the beginning of John's Gospel. John, one of Jesus' friends, says, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right... Um, to become children of God. Next step is to believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He is God in flesh. 
and to believe that what he did on the cross was for you. Just believe, just, and believe doesn't mean just mental assent, it means trust in it. Trust that what Jesus did on the cross um, was for you, and it pays for all your wrongdoing and rebellion. Third thing is to confess, by which you don't mean to go and tell somebody that you're wrong, but literally, um, Paul again says, with your, it's with your heart that you believe, and are justified, made right with God, and it's with your mouth that you confess, and, and you are saved. You have to own this. For yourself. You have to own it for yourself. And then D, do. Put it into action. And, and that means start to pray. Start to read the Bible. Start to um, get involved uh, with the church. So two sons. One is lost and found. One is... Where is that second son? And which are you? I want to give you a chance now just to respond. So we're going to pray... Um, and then we'll sing some more. Let's pray together. Let's just be quiet. I'll pray. And if, and if, this, is, um, if this is something that resonates with you, then just uh, echo this uh, in your mind uh, before, before God this morning. Father God, I admit that all these good things that you have given me, I've taken them and used them without reference to you. I admit that I am in the wrong before you this morning. Father God, I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe that when he died uh, on the cross, he died for me. The penalty for my wrongdoing uh, is cancelled is paid for. Lord, this morning, I, I believe this uh, in my heart. Please forgive me. Send me your Holy Spirit to strengthen me and I'm ready to put you in charge. Lord, help me now to put this into action. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.